Fellow psychonauts and travelers, head on over to maps.org to finish the Breakthrough for Psychedelic Medicine fundraiser that's going on now. It's a $300,000 goal. $274,000 has been met. We can do it. Head on over to maps.org to make that goal happen. Welcome to the MAPS Podcast, episode 34 of the MAPS Podcast. This is Zach Leary. I'm your host. So happy that you are here. This week on the podcast, Trisha Eastman will be joining the podcast. She recorded, uh, we did it live in person together, and she is a pioneer in the modern renaissance of the psychedelic movement. If you go to psychedelicjourneys.com, you can see everything that she is doing, but more on Trisha in just a minute. Uh, a few announcements. As we said on the bumper of this podcast, uh, the Breakthrough for Psychedelic Medicine fundraiser is still going on. The $300,000 goal that has been set is almost met. It's uh, 91% of the $300,000 has been raised, $274,000 to be exact. 1,240 very generous donors have made this reality possible. So if you head on over to maps.org, we can finish uh, this goal of $300,000. Some other announcements. The next podcast, which will come out on January 2nd, will be a 2018 year in review with none other than Rick Doblin. And Rick and I will discuss everything that MAPS has been doing in the last year and discuss where MAPS is going in the future. Uh, I think very important to, to kind of reset our bearings to get both feedback on the ground to see the wonderful work that MAPS is doing and where MAPS is headed. So look out for that next episode. Next announcement. This podcast is available for advertising. We've gotten a few requests for that and never were sure quite how to answer it. But if you have a product, a service, a message, a cause or something that you feel would like to, uh, you know, that you feel could benefit from the MAPS audience, please contact me and at ZachLeary at Mac.com and we'll discuss how to make that possible and what the format and what the pricing is. And of course, not every product or every service would be appropriate for the MAPS podcast, but certainly there are many that are. So um, please contact me on that. Also, I've gotten a lot of emails over uh, the life of this podcast about, uh, with a lot of inquiries, uh, expressing interest in becoming a psychedelic therapist, which is very, very exciting. And uh, I know I've uh, talked to many of you personally and given you feedback, but there is an email and it is training at mapsbcorp.com. Training at mapsbcorp.com. 
And that email address will go to the many, many pioneers who are who are creating the curriculum and the standards for psychedelic therapy, as it is known today. And this is led by Shannon Claire Carlin. So send an email to that email address and you will be hooked up with the right person. And lastly, any of you out there in cyberspace who are interested in the private guided sessions that I do personally, please contact me at Zach Leary at Mac.com and we can discuss your goals and those needs further. So before we get into the podcast, listen to this story. This is from an anonymous police officer. First of all, I'd like to thank you all for doing everything that you do. I stand behind the MAPS organization and hope to contribute whatever I can in order to push the efforts forward. I've been looking for help, guidance, direction, a contact, anything. As a police officer, I find it extremely limited. I'm almost in the closet when it comes to talking about, let alone asking someone for advice when it comes to my rights for obtaining a medical marijuana license. I've used marijuana in the past, which led me to isolation tanks, which in turn led me on an adventure into the Amazon to explore ayahuasca. The restrictions and fear of punishment trouble me every day, and it saddens me to know that I, we, as police officers would benefit from using marijuana the most. Just thought that I'd share that. I'm in the works of starting a business in order to free myself from financial lockdown and then I'll be able to change my name from anonymous. I stand for police officers that I know and love. That's just a little story that I picked up from reset.me. Uh, some psychedelic stories, some great psychedelic stories are uh, on some threads in that website. And I just thought that was one that was really worth sharing. I know there are so many professions um, that quote unquote are in the mainstream that are part of the system uh, that are really limited with um, their availability, their option or their accessibility to um, psychotropics and plant medicines because of uh, employment regulations and federal laws, police officers being one of them. So I can certainly speak for myself when I look at a police officer that maybe I can look at them with more compassion, with more light, and not think that they're automatically the person that I make them out to be just because they are wearing the uniform. Something to think about. And that story struck me. So we're going to get into it with Patricia Eastman. I'm sorry, Trisha Eastman. I don't know why I formally say her whole name. Trisha is a pioneer in the psychedelic renaissance. Eastman's holistic approach incorporates Eastern philosophy, biohacking, soul retrieval, archetypical mapping, meditation, somatic therapy, and shamanism. As a medicine woman, she curates retreats in countries where use is legal, working with five MEO-DMT from the Sonoran Desert Tone and Iboga. Uh, she's a fantastic soul, really, really uh, a poetic human being. And being around her, uh, you know, I can her, her light is palpable. She's someone who did this work um, in her adult life and really broke through many of her of the paradigms of her past that were holding her back 
and reinvented herself into a very, very authentic vessel. So I encourage you to check out her work at psychedelicjourneys.com. And our conversation really just tripped the light fantastic of uh, the current psychedelic renaissance and uh, where she stands in it. And I really think you'll enjoy this podcast. I sure did. Trisha Eastman. Trisha Eastman, welcome to the MAPS Podcast. Thank you for coming. Mm, so honored to be here. Thank you so much, Zach. It's a pleasure to have you. I know we've been uh, crossing wires for quite some time, yeah. as the universe does and works. But when it's time, it's time, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, what a fantastic way to start. You, before we rolled tape, you said you were a little jet lagged because you just got back from Gabon. Yeah. And among many things, but one thing that I find so, uh, I think, enticing and compelling and fascinating about the work that you do is that you really, you travel the world. You use the world. You use the cultures around the world to uh, take people on their journeys and to immerse them into different, uh, well, as Ram Dass used to say, different maps of consciousness. You know? <laughs> because here in the West, we definitely have one map of consciousness that may or may not be serving us who knows not for us to judge but you go to all these different places they have different maps and you know different traditions and different initiations um what led you to this path wow well so many things and i would say just to be you know succinct mm-hmm. i had a really powerful spiritual awakening, what many people call, and you probably know the term, kundalini awakening. Yes. Uh, and that was about eight years ago. And uh, I had been very much in the world of healing and uh, supporting in in a different way, uh, not necessarily with, with plant medicine, and uh, found the path of plant medicine, uh, moving to Los Angeles, going through a divorce in mm. my process of awakening a lot, shifting for me. And and I uh, had an experience with, uh, with Abogaine in Mexico mm. at a clinic called Crossroads. Sure. And this had been after I'd done some extensive work with ayahuasca mm. and uh, finally felt like I had this breakthrough where I fell in love with myself. And I fell in love with myself not as a separate entity, but as, you know, source consciousness and, and seeing like how beautiful, like I am as that expression of, of being and realizing that how could I be so limiting to look at myself from my physical appearance because a lot of the the stuff that I was dealing with was eating disorders and body dysmorphic disorder and uh, just really having this deep gratitude for myself for being alive and I asked the medicine how can I be of service I was like wow you've given me so much what can I do for you within um, several weeks I was asked by the owner of the clinic uh, Martin Polanco to to start working with them in their psycho spiritual program and was trained to start working with uh, Bufo Alvarius uh, 5-MeO-DMT from the toad and so um, after working with that medicine, after working uh, with the Abogaine as well in the psycho-spiritual program, I realized that 
um, it was really important to connect to the lineage of, of Iboga mm -hmm. and uh, got initiated into the Buiti tradition and, and you know, just really... Went deep. Yeah, went, went all deep. The way. And, and I would say when you, were, when you were bringing up about this global, um, you know, path, for me, it feels that I really want to honor these different medicines, but also help to create um, ways that are in alignment, that are in alignment respecting the indigenous cultures, but also with this neo-shamanic, psychedelic mm. resurgence that we're going through. Yeah, right. Um, I think that, um, you know, we really do have to check in with the elders. We do have to check in with spirit and make sure these things that we're doing are aligned so that it can happen in a good way so that we can yeah. have a really successful, uh, you know, psychedelic renaissance. And so that when you are bringing it back to the West, you are, I mean, certainly I'm not trying to cast a negative cloud, but you know, that's sort of, uh, the explosion that we're seeing, which is fantastic. It's beautiful. But not everybody is a shaman who says they're a shaman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So because you are, it's such a, an intimate, fragile, and just a kind of nuanced sort of a experience that you're handing over to somebody that you're, you know, giving, that you're, somebody's going to care for you in this journey. It, it does need to be, I think, uh, very well grounded, you know? And I do see it from, from both sides, too, because, like... I love what you're saying, and I think it's so important, and it's really important, especially from the American mindset, to go and seek out these other maps of consciousness, these other traditions that are so different than our programs, you know? But I also think that, like, hey, you know, you don't, like, you, it's, you don't need to go to wherever to find enlightenment you know like wherever you go there you are you know that kind of thing yeah you know it's like it's a wonderful bridge it's a wonderful like path to find yourself but ultimately it's it's within i mean right and i wanted to ask about that first uh ibogaine trip um it was like the first one just that one that broke you open yeah it was um really profound because mm -hmm. i was shown the architecture of of the evolution of humanity from, you know, us being Lumerian, Atlantean, wow. all these different eras. And one trip. Yes, in one journey, I was shown kind of the, the whole architecture of the universe all the way to the point of creation of singularity when it was, wow. you know, what some religions say, like the term, let there be light, like the beginning of, mm. you know, because before that it was, what was there? There was nothingness. There was the void. Yeah, and so <laughs> that is where I, I was shown. And, and my interpretation of this was just such a deep sense of gratitude of just seeing like like from what i saw everything coexist at the same time and really just the beauty of of even the suffering being part of the creative process of this beautiful uh reality that we that we get to play in and express ourselves yes right i mean uh, i was just talking about this with someone the other day i mean you know in buddhism the Four Noble Truths, the first noble truth deals with suffering mm -hmm. and how it is an innate, you know, part of our existence, you know, in order to break free from suffering, you must understand that first there is suffering yeah. within us, around us. It is, you know, part of the makeup and that creates that, you know, those polarities. We need light, dark, you know, shadow, light, all of, all of these different things, right? Um, 
but I, I, what I, I find so uh, compelling about what you're saying is that you, it also was like this exercise in self-love. I mean, you had some behavioral stuff that was probably not very healthy, right? Yeah, addictive patterns, which yeah. is so prevalent in our culture. It really, really is. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what we're seeing with Ibogaine, especially in um, you know, opiate addiction, how it can just break that chain immediately and show you, you know, that other that other way to live and you said it so beautifully about that you are worth loving that you are beautiful exactly as you are you know that you don't need to constantly you know put on all these masks and hide from the world um so you did the training at crossroads and then you got initiated what happened next Well, you know, I want to also preface uh, what I love, what you shared about this idea of our own inner journey, because the reason I feel like I resonate so much with the Buiti tradition, which is the the tribes in Gabon in Africa that work with the Iboga medicine, is that the whole point of it is to know yourself Mm. and to do you. Like, like not try to do your mom and your dad or whatever they say. Someone else's idea of you, right? Yeah, right. or to do something to make your girlfriend happy or right. to make whoever in the world, you know, make, make, make the people like you in the world, but to really, like, be authentic, to connect to your authentic self and to reconnect to your soul. So really the the purpose of these initiations is to create a really deep connection and i'll also say to do service to the buiti that you know many of these mystical traditions and and initiations are really um private and secret because it's such Mm. a personal experience um and i think that you know information is a double-edged sword like telling people what something's going to be like yeah. can sometimes set up an expectation and it and it's whatever you need in these in these initiations right. um for me um when i when one of the big things my first initiation uh it's called mumbayano and um the the initiation is really about you meeting your soul hmm. and connecting to your soul and it's so funny because every single person, their soul has this unique character and it's not necessarily what you think. Like one person who was part of a retreat that I did saw his soul and it was like, looked like Archangel Michael in a Superman costume. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And my, I have a really, I have two and it's, uh, which is, it's kind of funny that one is Jesus and the other is Sophia, which is the divine feminine consciousness. And, uh, the Sophia part of my soul shape shifts and she changes from a dove to this like really beautiful, like sparkly woman. And so, and that's the archetype that you saw your true self through. Yeah, I mean, we're all connected to these different archetypes. Like all of us have these kind of, you know, Jungian lineages that we're we're connected to. And these show up in the in the psychedelic journeys. They do. And that just I mean, just reiterating what you said. I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's piercing the veil and shedding light and and giving you this mirror to see who you truly are, not who you think you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, especially in the West, we spend so much time really. uh, in the weeds, in the muck of who we think we are. Like, I am my job. That's yeah. who I am. You know, and that's, uh, hey, these roles are important, you know. I mean, we need them to function in the world. But seeing who you truly are is a, it's a profound experience. And not everybody's ready for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you, you know. You have to be ready. You have yeah. to be ready to look at the shadow part of yourself 
I'm just looking all, at a map, by the way. I keep talking. I'm before just... you are able to see like the true expression of yourself, and and it and it's really interesting mm. the whole dynamic of you know just the inner workings of this this polarity experiment that we're in, <laughs> because um, you know the shadow is so deeply connected to all of our gifts and all of our blessings, but we also have this like. Uh, ingrained fear through this programming of our subconscious at very young ages with mm. with trauma yeah. um, that that forces us in this space of like running away and being afraid to to look at ourselves yes and to really you know kind of make friends with the idea of pacifying our experience because we're afraid to look at ourselves. I mean, people were, I mean, that is a, I mean, I'm a recovering drug addict. So, I mean, that's mm. the, you know, looking at yourself, really looking at yourself is just such a difficult uh, experience to deal with. It's so nuanced and it's, you know, sometimes complicated and, uh, you know, these, these methods of pacification that we were really, you know, getting attached to are, um, yeah, very, very troubling because we, we need to use them as tools and shatter them and, you know, rather than depending on them. But did you, when you were, well, I mean, you still are evolving and going through this process. Yeah. I don't want to say it as a singular event in time, <laughs> but, um, you know, those early days of this transformation, what, um, if you don't mind sharing, what were like the aspects of looking at yourself as you truly are that you really wanted to bring out into the world mm. like what did you see about yourself oh that's great i'm this i'm that i'm gonna really own mm. that and you know yeah i think that um ultimately the best way to be is a vessel you know we're we are a vessel mm. of this divine consciousness and when we clear our own get out of the way we we have this ability to have you know this this divine energy possess us in a in a beautiful way that allows us to express things that would never be possible operating from an egoic um, framework or you know mm. what some call default mode network um, <laughs> and so I think for me it's really you know just this process of refinement and purification understanding these certain little things that um, get in the way of me fully being able to be in that flow state of, of mm. receiving and um, I think the most important thing in general is um, you know, like, I, I really feel that our culture has been very much conditioned to push, push, go, go. And um, mm. there's a really important part of our own alchemical creative process, which is this idea of um, taking that time to really tune in to the feminine, which is our intuition and our inner self. Mm. And so I think, you know, the more I do this work, the more like every day I'm trying to just slow myself so that in between taking action, I am checking in and making sure that I'm aligned with my soul as I'm making these choices. And so I wouldn't say mm. they're necessary qualities because to think that they're activities, like I could say, oh, well, you know, I, I quit drinking alcohol, mm. I quit, uh, you know, drinking coffee, I quit 
Um, you know, I even used to have a problem with eating a lot of chocolate, which is a stimulant. <laughs> Anything that was like fiery that would get me going. Yes. But then I could also say, well, I still probably have too much kombucha, you know, and things <laughs> right. like that. But for the most part, you know, I think um, it's really about that process, like looking at where um, I'm sometimes the reason we don't want to slow down is because there's pain and there's sadness in there mm. and a lot of times we run for these fiery things like the caffeine and whatever things are distractions maybe facebook if that's a distraction for you just to uh um avoid feeling mm -hmm. and so our emotions are where all of our power is and so i i i'm just really like feel in this process that it's important to really slow down and i like to i i, I like to move fast i enjoy like yeah. this dimension that's probably why my soul chose to incarnate here i, I like it here you like it here yeah I, <laughs> I i i agree i do too yeah i mean we are really rewarded as my my girlfriend says a lot we uh, are rewarded in culture in this culture for like burning the candle hard at both ends you know mm -hmm. that is something that's sort of like you know, almost encourage, like, go hard, go hard, go hard, accumulate, accumulate more stuff and go hard, keep going, keep going. Yeah. And when you start getting into quality of life issues and, you know, the food you eat maybe suffers, the exercise suffers, the intimacy with yourself and with others, you know, that really, really suffers. And you get into toxic habits and toxic relationships and all of a sudden you're 60 years old and burnt out and unhealthy, you know, and, yeah. and find out that you haven't really, you know, sought your... Your, your true happiness um yeah and psychedelics are an amazing way to step outside i think yeah and, and look from another another perspective right but you know you work with a lot of people mm -hmm. you groups or individuals both mostly one-on-one -on -one work oh, okay. even the 5-MeO work when when I facilitate mm -hmm. iboga um, uh, ceremonies we do groups of between six to ten people depending on how many facilitators we have it's a pretty intense type of ceremony mm -hmm. um, the medicine has some uh, side effects that prevent you from pretty much being able to walk and so you need help for your own safety you know yes, getting you up and going to the bathroom and so um it's very most work i do is very intimate very small groups of people plus there's a lot of integration and personalized preparation in right. the process yeah there's not a one size fits all yeah uh, prescription right yeah but what do you think is um i mean we are experiencing this amazing psychedelic renaissance you know mm -hmm. probably the most uh certainly the most healthy in terms of uh scientific knowledge and research and the integration of uh, indigenous cultures and how it's all sort of you know coming up to the forefront um yeah no no question about it but what are you seeing any similarities or patterns in what people are looking for like what do you think when you work with someone what, generally what are people looking for mm. I mean, I think everyone ultimately wants connection. Mm. I think ultimately we all want to feel connected to ourselves. Mm. We want to feel um, connected to others. And then I would see the other thing is um, reaching our full creative potential. You know, being able, you know, most of the blocks that people come in with are ultimately around um, 
just not understanding how the universe works in terms of the real creative process and and so they get stuck yeah and and so i would say that's probably the core but let's talk about connection again creative potential is it's, it's good too but let's talk about connection for a little bit because i do uh you know i hear this a lot and you know a lot of a lot of people talk about it and uh, and i do agree mm-hmm. i definitely i definitely agree um but let's unpack it a little bit like what do you mean when you say connection connection with source spirit yourself others physical sexual emotional i just like what, what do you mean when you say it well, my belief is from, you know, just so my own inner work that everything is a mirror, whether it's a relationship with your partner, mm-hmm. your boss, your parents, um, or yourself. How you do one thing is how you do everything in the world. And so I believe that um, whatever is showing up that is that person's individual intention um, that they're bringing in is ultimately connected to themselves mm-hmm. and it, and whatever showing up in relationships. So it's, in my opinion, it's kind of all the same. Um, however, there are, you know, of course, different little, little pieces related to individual situations. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I feel the connection comes from separation, just our culture being so separate yep. and feeling separate. Um, and it's really um, from, you know, trauma because, you know, that subconscious is being programmed during the ages of, you know, in the womb up to seven years old. You've got this, you know, programming that's occurred and, and all of that is, is, is these belief systems that kind of interfere with um, because that's how the ego is, is forming. And so really... Um, what we're doing through this work is we're reshaping the ego because the ego is an important thing. It's not a horrible thing. No, it's what it's allows a necessary us. tool. Yeah. yeah, we need it. We need it in order to like do all the cool things that we do and to have this lens of our of our life experience. And so and it makes you unique, you know, yeah, yeah you need it to make you unique. And yeah. I f- and I feel that that the connection is that, that there's a constant biofeedback loop happening between yourself, between the world. And when you ignore that communication that's happening, you, um, that's where you run into having issues with manifestation. And that's when you suffer. Right. You know, you either A, you don't accept what is and you right. suffer because you're not accepting what is or B, you're trying to push and make other things happen. And, right. you know, um, and also even the, just the process of emotions of even when things don't work out, we have to we have our own process of mourning and, and releasing those emotions. And and we have to honor that as well as part of that biofeedback yeah i mean suffering has its roots in attachment you know you one being attached to the way things are or aren't Mm -hmm. you know like that oh my gosh you know my heart is breaking because she hurt me or left me Mm -hmm. you're so attached to the way that you wanted that result to be that is causing you so much suffering somebody dies you're so attached to them not being here in the physical plane you know it's usually rooted in like some form of just very very intense traumatic attachment with you not being able to accept how things are or aren't you know but what, what is interesting and that lack of connection 
you know, I mean, you're talking about connection, but like the lack of connection and that we, it's, it's, it's very, um, paradoxical because, you know, um, more so these days, more people live in urban environments than Mm -hmm. ever before. You know, they're moving away from rural environments and, uh, near big cities, you know, that landscape of the human experience is really changing. So there we are around all these people every day in traffic jams, you know, on Facebook, trying to get as many likes as possible and just, but there you are so alone. Yeah, it's 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 a it's really paradoxical how that all works together. So this connection that you talk about and um, where does it begin? Do you think like you know when you do journey work like this and you really go deep and you're with a good guy and your intentions are very clear? Where do you think the intention um, the connection begins? You think it begins with yourself or? with your emotional intelligence, what, what do you think? I ask a lot of people this question, I'm, so I'm mm. just curious. No, I'm just, uh, for me, um, tuning into the energy and feeling mm. the process, and I would say that, um, you know, the psychedelic experience mm. uh, has, a, has a story arc. Yes. And every medicine has kind of a different way of doing it, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's like first you're um, <laughs> cleansing, purifying yes. in order to go into the spirit world. And you can't make it into the spirit world until you're clean. And so that's where many people have the purging. They have the shaking energetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the nervous system, you know, releasing stuff and the body somatically, you know, physical things um, coming out of the body and just in general just um you know just a lot of times a lot of discomfort in that beginning stage and then you go into this this peak where you feel this connection and the way that you can explain that is through the kundalini channels you have your different chakras have uh different trauma in them and and usually the earlier traumas are in the lower chakras although that's not always you know the case but because they can be anywhere um but but what's happening is this this kundalini energy which is being activated by an altered state of consciousness is bumping up against something and that's where you're having to release and let go and Mm. and the 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 psycho psychedelic is is opening up those channels so that the energy can move through and um but still you know it's like a a clogged pipe if there's something there you've got to acknowledge it you've got to be able to surrender and release to that blockage so once you get to a certain level of consciousness um within traveling through the chakras up through the the third eye that's when you go into a consciousness which is non-duality where you know it's like the drop rejoining the ocean yes it's it's this oneness and connection and um i think that people really need to to experience that whether it's through breath work or whether it's through shamanic drumming meditation whatever it is whatever it is they need to feel that to be able to trust life to know that all the stories will have a happy ending no matter how crazy they are (laughs) and to know this is all just a a projection and everyone's wearing halloween costumes right yes (laughs) (laughs) We, we all are and you know, at the very least, what I kind of love just to put out there is to encourage people to realize that we have far more in common than we do not. 
you know, we are really living in an age of extreme separation. And I am, you know, not scot-free at all. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a political person and, mm-hmm. and get riled up in that stuff. And, you know, I definitely see the separation and the us versus them stuff. And it's, I don't, it's hard to sometimes practice what you preach in that context because it's so kind of abhorrent, you know, you're like, oh my God, how can this be happening, you know, yeah. on my planet right here at this time. But essentially that we do all have much more in common than we do not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, two other things though. One, uh, creative manifestation and uh, creative actualization and also integration too, which I want to be sure to touch on. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the creative manifestation a little bit. And I, um, you know, I like to sort of set that discussion up in the context of, um, finding out whatever it is that you like to do or want to do and doing it, you know, at whatever level is apparent at that moment in time, you know, and, you know, that doesn't mean that like, you know, we don't want to create like restlessness or anything like that. Like, Oh my God, I want to be the CEO of Apple. Therefore Mm -hmm. I'm going to be unhappy until I am not like that. That's, that's gets toxic just really loving whatever you are doing in that moment and learning how to express that. Yeah. I, I see it like this. Um, ultimately it should come from your heart. Um, whatever it is that you're doing should come from your heart. And, um, Mm. you know, we have these two aspects of, of, I guess you could say self, although one aspect of self could, could be argued as not even, it's just, it just is and that's your your higher self or you know i'll call it the inner wise person or the inner shaman you know because we all have that aspect of self that is is wise and then we have the ego and basically in the creative process like from what i've seen in my experience and i'm not going to speak for everyone else but from what i understand from the creative process is that we everything that we want is there waiting for us (laughs) right like truly like if it's for you the energy will be provided it doesn't matter how expensive it is if it's a mansion if it's a ferrari not that i want to go too materialistic but it's easy to envision that yeah then if 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 it's it's in your you know divine blueprint of of whatever's yeah in your karma to have it um, it will it will manifest into your life, and what happens is the ego, you know, you've got this this. It's like when you choose with your heart something, it's like the universe funds it like a bank account. So it's like imagine you have this credit card to buy whatever that thing is, and not that everything costs mm-hmm. money, but it's right. just a, a metaphor. Um, but what happens is the ego blows all that energy on things that aren't fun. So what happens is if you let the ego drive, it's going to say, oh, you're not good enough to have that. Or, you know, you're, you're not worthy to have that. Or, um, you know, whatever it is that, that your ego does, you know, every ego has its, Mm. you know, the inner critic, whatever that inner critic is, is, is saying. Um, and what that does is it drains from the bank account. So it, it, it takes energy away from that potential reality manifesting. And so the more that we can choose consciously to hold that, 
you know, whatever that highest vision is for ourselves. Um, and the more that we can empower it, even when that inner critic or that ego or whatever it is, is saying things like, no, you suck. You, you're never going <laughs> to write that book. You know, right. you just have to acknowledge it being there and know that it's, it's not the one running the show. And so in my opinion, um, in this world of, uh, you know, like us discovering all these amazing tools that really prove that we all know how to heal ourselves within and we all have all the tools within, but they're more like arrows pointing to that. Um, but, but I think that a lot of people can get caught up in this like, oh, I'm healing myself or I'm improving myself. Mm. And uh, those are not like end results. Like those right. don't even make sense to the universe. You can't manifest, you know, healing. Healing is, is an action. It's, it's an a, action. It's an action. Right. So it, it is really important to be able to direct mm. your energy and, you know, finding some kind of meditation tool to get those answers within from yourself to be able to, as you're doing these practices, as you're doing this work, kind of, create your pathway of 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 getting to that spot although it's not a getting there it's right. it's just a journey it's a journey and it's a journey and making friends with contentment contentment in the sense that there is nowhere to really arrive at you're already there because yeah. you know the idea of i i love manifestation techniques and really you know finding out the true obstacles of what's getting in the way of the things that you want to manifest. I do. However, in, in like a more conventional sense, like, you know, let's just take employment, for instance, you know, whatever you're doing in that moment, it's fine. Don't look at it as, uh, as this unhappy sort of like necessary evil temporary state that you have to be in because you have to pay your rent, you know, like work to get to, to do something that you want to maybe is more ideal for you for sure. Mm -hmm. But while you're doing what you're doing, love it yeah, and be present in it, yeah, you know, and being content in it and be, you know, this is what's happening. I see it as, you know, like in, in India, they have the sacred Seva, you yeah, know, doing Seva. Of Seva's. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's about this idea that you you do things with such reverence and gratitude mm. of knowing it's all sacred. No matter what it is. Yeah, yes. and, and mm. that, you know, brings forth more in your life, more blessing, because, yeah. you know, you're telling the universe, thank you, send more of, of whatever good things you can send. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you know, Krishna Bhaktas, you know, they... Uh, Everything is an act of devotion. Washing the dishes, mm. you know, mowing the lawn. It's all an act of, you know, pleasing God. You know, whatever you mask you want to choose to call God. And I just love that so much. And, you know, that paradigm was really, really shattered for me in uh, my, I don't know, first or second trip to India. And uh, kind of just one of those kind of cliche Western takeaways where I went to an Indian slum in a little mm. village. And it was and my first thought was... Poor them. God, they have to live like this. Poor them. Yeah. Oh my God, so much pity. I mean, just the conditions are just, in my mind, just awful. But then I spent time with them and talk about like radical, fierce happiness. I mean, mm. just beaming with love, willing to share their last puri or bowl of rice with you. They're not, they're fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was my problem. It wasn't theirs. Yeah. They're just so happy and content and just beaming with just the joy of being alive. Mm. And I was like, whoa, wow. All the little things that we really put in our way of getting in touch with true happiness, you know, and I certainly, that might even be on the top of my list within the psychedelic experiences, like mm. that mirror that shows me, oh my God, the things that I worry about on a daily basis. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I so hung up on all of those things, you know? <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's heavy stuff. Um, but then, you know, having these realizations and these awakenings and you're very, you're very good at articulating them and, you know, um, it's a better than most knowing what to do with them, yeah. integrating them. Let's talk about integration because I do, I say this a lot on my podcasts is, you know, I think perhaps if there was anything that went wrong with the sixties psychedelic movement is lack of integration. You know, there wasn't much of a model, Yeah. you know, like, data was limited you know a couple guys at harvard and ken kesey you know there really wasn't that much to really not many people didn't know much so they didn't know what to do with all of this yeah you know and they kind of was like shit okay they there was a schism and then they just kind of went back into the mainstream and that was it you know so um integration um what are some techniques that's what I'm, I'm really curious. I'd like to ask you about integration techniques that you do. Whenever so, so important. Whenever you look at you know this this really powerful work, um, it it puts you so close to you know your true self, to source consciousness, whatever you know the the ineffable, mm. whatever you wanna wanna call it, um, and what's really hard is integrating like that in with your current reality in the current world (laughs) and so the most important thing is that you're reconnecting back in and there are so many ways of doing that not only that but the i believe these plant spirits stay with you after you work with them and many of them some of them longer than others like many people report that with iboga Mm. they feel a really deep presence of the plant with them for at least two months sometimes six months after you know i hear with ayahuasca like a month two months sometimes longer as well um and um and so I feel like they are there supporting you, but but only if you're connecting to them, only if you're asking them and consciously connecting to them to support you through your integration experience. Mm. Um, and even with 5-MeO-DMT, there's a, a term they talk about called reactivations, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a re-experiencing of that ineffable uh, state um, without taking the medicine because we... It, it, it's already in our it's bodies. Somewhere, we're, yes. we're built <laughs> for it. And so I would say like the most important thing is there's so many modalities out there that you can do on a daily basis to connect to yourself. And it's that like taking that for even if it's just 15 minutes, even if it's just 10 minutes, mm. really like intentionally connecting. Not everyone, medi- medi- I should say, resonates with meditation. Yeah, right. A lot of times 
you know, if you have a really strong mind, it could be torture to have to sit for 20 minutes and have to listen to yourself. Um, you know, <laughs> it could be really horrible. It's but true. but there are other practices you can do that are, are just as meditative. And it's really about that intention of really the presence and really mm. grounding yourself and really taking the time to check in and feel like what's going on like how do I feel today you know maybe you remember some dreams that you had last night and you know you're you're kind of just doing an overall kind of systems review of of what's going on in there Mm -hmm. um you know I think some of the great practices are ecstatic dance yoga um breath work holotropic breath work Mm. um I personally um, do a, a practice of tea ceremony that comes from China called Chadao, mm. and it's a it's a meditation, and I use really old ceremonial grade uh, pu'er tea. And wow, amazing! It's it's my favorite thing. I, I I wake up in the morning and I'm like, yay! I get to do my my tea meditation, and and I found for me that was the thing that brought me the most joy and just connected me to my soul, uh, and and me and the tea are in conversation it's it, the whole meditation it's it's giving me feedback of like mm-hmm. what the day is about and and what to tune into and just really setting the tone and i think for some people um it might just be turning on some music and moving your body doing some ecstatic dance because um mm. just even getting really getting into your body to start for the day yeah. is is so important and then I think on top of that, like we all need to have our, our council of, of amazing healers that support us. And I don't think of them as healers in the sense that they're like fixing anything. There's nothing wrong. We're all just on a path. Yeah. But they're really there to be mirrors, trusted people that ultimately you, you trust yourself as the number one you know, person that you're talking to and tuning in with, but they're there to also give you feedback so that you can see your blind spots, so that you have that ability. So I have an amazing acupuncturist that I see um, every week. Um, I do uh, massage practice. I receive massage um, usually like once a week. Um, and, and there's other things that I do like on a monthly basis and things like that, where I'm working with different people. They might be, um, other shamanic practitioners that, um, you know, just have a really strong intuitive sense where we can have conversations about Mm. things that are coming up. It might be a psychotherapist who's, you know, you know, has a background in psychedelic type work that, um, can be a good reflection for you but i think those are really important to have i like the metaphor of upgrades in the um the uh, comparison of uh, software upgrades like if you look at an operating system for like say on your mac or whatever like that you know they're always incremental 10.5.7 10.5.8 and then that might go to 10.6 or something when Mm -hmm. they feel like all those little incremental things and the idea it's based off of like your fundamental platform of the code is stable and great and you really, really just, it's worth building on. But then as it goes up, sure, there are little bugs that kind of happen. Mm-hmm. They happen and they get in the way and they cause maybe a virus or something and they cause your computer to slow down or something. You got to fix that bug and just upgrade, keep upgrading. So all of these things are upgrades and not, you know, 
the fundamental idea being that there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. Yeah. Yes, you are not broken. We all need upgrades. And we're like m musical instruments, you know, if you have a guitar, <laughs> you, you have to tune your guitar so that it, you know, sounds the most beautiful, you know, and, and yes. as we're moving throughout the world, you know, that, that shifts because we're like water, you know, we're picking up things as we're, we're moving around and, mm. and shifting. And uh, so it is important to have these, you know, to tune ourselves or, or upgrade ourselves. Indeed. So the psychedelic renaissance being what it is um a lot of there's a lot of um i don't want to say factions but there's a lot of kind of ways to go you know there is journey work under you know in um, a specific sort of initiated sort of tribal lineage mm -hmm. there is um individual psychotherapy work with uh, psychedelics and let us not forget there is still recreational yeah. stuff happening out there um, and, you know, I'm really find it, I mean, they're all super important and this is the maps podcast, which is, you know, I guess the beacon of, you know, legitimate, like psychedelic research, you know, very, mm -hmm. they do such important work. No, no question about it, but I'm really want us all to not forget the recreational users out there and to make sure they all have the right data and information. You know what I mean? I mean. You know, I did grow up in a fortunate way. When I was a teenager doing psychedelics, I had a lot of support, mm -hmm. obviously. But for those 15-year-old kids going to fish shows or Burning Man or whatever it is, that they have the data, that yeah. they know that they are safe and aren't doing anything wrong. Because no matter what, that's still going to happen. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like we all can't go to Peru and... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that is um, uh, I just, I think, an important uh, message for us all to kind of grab onto. And, you know, I mean, you set an amazing example for psychedelic le leadership. But for somebody who is new, um, where do you think they start? When you new people cross your paths and go, well, I've been curious, but I don't really know where to start. Mm. What do you say? You know, I think that... Um I would want to ask them questions about where they are at. Mm. I would see, you know, I don't believe that psychedelics are dosage based, although, you know, there are recommended mm. ranges of dosage. I think it's how strong is the ego. <laughs> and yes. the more strong the ego is, the, the less surrendered you are, the, the more you're going to need. And so um, each individual, like, you know, someone who, you know, I don't want to stereotype anybody so I'm not gonna hmm. use an example <laughs> I was like gonna use an example but I don't I, I feel it's not necessary but you know you just have certain personality types that are are you know if you you give them something right out the gate they are going to maybe have a really hard time and that doesn't it's not always the case hmm. but I think the the thing that's beautiful about MDMA it's hmm. not a plant I mean, although it, you know, originally came from one, of course, sure. um, but, but it, it, it's, it's something very different because it, it doesn't have the, the traditional psychoactive state of most psychedelic experiences, yeah. but, it, but it really connects you to the heart. And so I believe that it is the ultimate bridge in all of psychedelics. I think um, Agreed. 
being really careful and cautious where you're getting it from, yeah. making sure that it's a really good source. Because I mean, I watched uh, Hamilton. Have you ever seen Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia? Yes. Yes. Uh, he did this episode on MDMA yes. and these chemists, chemists, and they're there. They had to extract extracts because of uh, the their, the government's uh, laws related to trying to prevent large quantities of certain things being purchased that could be used for the purposes of manufacturing underground MDMA or you know whatever you want to call it black market yeah. MDMA and so um, the process is pretty intense and brutal and sure so you is. definitely want to make sure that you're getting it from a good source and and as far as understanding the benefits for instance um, if you overdo it with MDMA there can be some neurotoxic yeah. effects there can be neurotoxic effects with I think anything you overdo in life um, so I do believe that that, that particular um, medicine, I call it medicine, is a bridge and it's really important. Um, I also really love San Pedro. Mm-hmm. San Pedro is really gentle. He's a loving father. He um, has a lot of light and that's another medicine that opens the heart. It's not going to necessarily give you crazy visions like <laughs> ayahuasca would. Yeah. Um, but it is going to allow you to connect and ultimately that's what we want. Who cares if you know that you are a 27th dimensional starbird from <laughs> the Pleiades, you know, or something like that. I mean, what really matters is that you, your heart's open and you're connected to yourself. Let's start at the beginning. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> one step at a time. Uh, psychedelicjourneys.com is yes. your website. And Trish Eastman, thank you so much. Thank you, such an honor.